welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. My name is Victoria, and I will be your guide on this adventure through toys, collectibles, and film discussion. In this second episode of the Star Wars Toy Line Retrospective, we go back 20 years to 1999. After 16 years since the original Star Wars trilogy ended, the saga was back in a new way. It was an interesting time as the end of the 20th century intersected with the new millennium. I was 14 years old. In fact, the day I got to see The Phantom Menace was the final day of school that year, and with the start of summer, it was such a great time. There's a lot to be said about The Phantom Menace, the movie, which, again, is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. But before we can get there, we have to go back to May 3rd, 1999. That's when the Hasbro toy line for Episode 1 hit stores, along with the insane glut of product from so many other manufacturers. It was a crazy time for Star Wars fans, and no matter what you did, it was hard to escape The Phantom Menace. In this episode, I am thrilled to welcome Marjorie from Star Wars Action News to the show as we look back on the Episode 1 toy line, recalling our favorite memories of The Phantom Menace and the huge Hasbro Star Wars Episode 1 toy line that coincided with it. But first, just a reminder that New York Toy Fair is coming very soon, and I'm really excited to see what is going to be announced by all of the manufacturers that we follow Uh, Mattel with their Jurassic World toy line. I'm sure there's going to be some surprises there and I'm really excited to see new stuff that we have no idea about and uh, even some things that we've known about that are hopefully on display. I'm thinking of things like that Brachiosaurus announced back at San Diego Comic-Con last year as well as hopefully the Indominus Rex and I could speculate all day long. Um, But then also Victoria's Cantina will be covering the Hasbro event for Star Wars and Marvel and Power Rangers and all of their great toy lines that they will be showcasing at the Time Center. I will have a correspondent on the scene taking photos, taking video. Uh, So expect coverage on that. If you follow us on social media, be sure that you are following Twitter at Vix Cantina. That way you can see all of the latest coverage for Star Wars as it is unveiled. I'm really excited about it, so stay tuned for that. We'll also be doing podcast coverage of Toy Fair following the show. So a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks, and as uh, Dan Curdo has said here on the show before, uh, New York Toy Fair is basically like the Super Bowl of toy collecting events, so all eyes are going to be on that show come next week. So stay tuned for that, and uh, hopefully there's some pretty impressive things on the horizon for us collectors. The next thing I'd like to mention is the Discoveryland podcast, which of course is my Disneyland history podcast that I started last summer. Uh, I just wrapped up season one. You can listen to that on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on Spotify, on Pinecast, uh, on YouTube if you prefer. And I'm starting work on season two. I'm not sure exactly when that's going to begin, but Uh, I'm outlining the episodes that will be part of the second season, and I'm really excited about that, of course, Uh, along with toys and collecting. I'm a huge Disney fan, huge Disneyland history fan, uh, more specifically, and it's such a fun show for me to do. So if you haven't checked out Discoveryland, by all means, give it a listen, see what you think, and uh, be sure and let me know. 
I also started a new series on the Victoria's Cantina YouTube channel. Uh, I'm tentatively calling it the Star Wars Explored series, uh, but it doesn't really have a name, uh, at least not anything I'm going with officially yet. Um, but it kind of gets back into exploring like the story of Star Wars and the lore of Star Wars and getting into the myth and kind of explaining things in the films that aren't really fleshed out. And the first episode of the series was published last week. It's gotten some pretty positive feedback. And that episode was dealing with the Trade Federation. And uh, what did Captain Panaka mean when he said that the Trade Federation army was battle-hardened? That wasn't really explained in the films. So, of course, like a lot of things in Star Wars, you kind of got to go outside of the film to explore what that meant. So uh, that's kind of the intent of the series is to kind of get into the story a little bit more and explore things. So that's in the channel. If you'd like to check that out, I will throw a link in the show notes. And uh, finally, I am in the process of reorganizing my collection. It's a very tedious process. It's something I try to do once a year or so. I like to pull everything out of storage, uh, kind of figure out, okay, what do I really need to keep? What do I, what can I part with? I mean, collecting, if you've been doing it as long as I have, which, you know, basically all my life, uh, you accumulate a lot of stuff and Collecting is ongoing. There's constantly new stuff being put out by all of these companies. And um, it's just impossible to collect it all. As I discussed a little bit with Dan Larson in uh, the previous Cantina Chatter episode, How to Be a Toy Collector, you just can't collect everything. You kind of got to narrow your focuses and, you know, make some decisions sometimes and, you know, step back, see what's really making you happy and to see what you can let go of. Um, I think it's important to do that every now and then, kind of reevaluate who you want to be as a collector, what you want to collect, and you know what is really sparking joy. Um, so that's going to be a process. Uh, I got some new shelving. I'm expecting the sale barge to finally be released pretty soon. So uh, there's a nice prime spot right at the top of the shelf for that. So I'm um, really excited. I'm going to be able to display things that were previously just stored away in boxes. So that makes me really happy. Uh, obviously, you can't really enjoy your collection unless you're able to see it. So I don't, I don't want to be one of those collectors who just has everything out of sight. I mean, it, it, the stuff's got to be enjoyed, but it can't overburden your life. It can't overburden your home. I mean, if you have stuff that's leaching into the kitchen and into the living room and that's kind of an off-limits toy area, kind of like it is in our house, then um, you kind of got to take a step back and you know reevaluate things a little bit. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So I think it's a healthy thing to do. I think it's a good thing to do. And uh, if you haven't done it in a while, I certainly encourage it. All right, Marjorie, welcome to Cantina Chatter. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it when people are on the show for the first time because we get to play 10 questions too many. Uh oh. <laughs> But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about Star Wars Action News. Uh, I want to say that I came across your site 2008-2009. It was when Hasbro was doing those awesome Q&As they used to do back in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, they would do them with uh, Star Wars collecting websites on a regular basis. I think at one point it was like once a week and they were really good about it. Um, and I think it might have been through Rebel Scum or one of those other sites that would assemble all the Q&As and... Uh, they would link to all the different sites. And I remember them linking to Star Wars Action News. And I was like, oh, wait, I have to listen to a podcast. What is that? 
Well, yeah, it's kind of funny because, like, the very first time when we started this podcast in 2005 and Arnie, my husband, who I do it with because we're both these, you know, big collectors, he came out and he goes, hey, we should do a podcast. I'm like, what the hell is that? What are we doing? What are you talking about? And next thing you know, uh, now we have a ton of podcasts. (laughs) And I want to say it was probably one of the first uh, Star Wars shows, wasn't it? Uh, We were among the very first Star Wars podcast, I believe there was, I believe it was Yvitz and Mr. Bubble was maybe the first, and Nathan Butler would be able to correct me on that. He is like the timeline master for podcasts. I was the second female in Star Wars podcasting, period, and uh, we are, I think, the longest running Star Wars podcast, and I was the first female to, to podcast about only Star Wars. And I might still, or about Star Wars collecting and Star mm-hmm. Wars, um, but I might still be the only female that podcasts all about Star Wars toys only. I mean, I do Marvel on another show, but I think oh, as wow. far as collecting podcasts go that are just focused on Star Wars, I think it's might be me. Because you dabble in all the lines, right? Mostly Star Wars, but quite a bit of Jurassic uh, Park and... Yeah, a little bit into DC and Marvel. Yeah, you're my like dinosaur that. hookup because I'm like seeing all that stuff. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to go look at those now. So, <laughs> yeah, they're so fun. All the all the stuff Mattel has been doing the past year with uh, the Jurassic license. It's been pretty amazing. Mattel has been knocking it out of the park. They have been quite literally. Yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about uh, your role in Star Wars Action News. Um, a lot of times, what we do is more commentary. We do our toy runs, store reports, that kind of thing. Arnie is really great at interviewing people, so I let him do that. He's, like, really fabulous at connecting with people and doing interviews. Uh, We do a lot of product reviews, and, you know, we collect everything from vintage all the way to modern. We each have our, like, little niches that we collect, and we've got a great staff that does a lot of different segments for us. Like, we've got a vintage viewpoint. We've got uh, Brock, who does all about books for us. Like he does all the new books coming out, reads them, reviews them, talks about them. So I'm in, I am a huge collector. I was a collector before I met my husband. So a lot of the stuff that I talk about personally is the stuff that I buy, which is the crazy, stupid stuff that my husband sometimes rolls his eyes at, but that's okay. That's awesome. Uh, That sounds like a great situation to be in. Like my husband actually does not care about any of this stuff. Oh no! He tolerates he, it. He's very he patient. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, that, that's really all I can ask for. He's cool about it, but yeah, he's not the biggest Star Wars fan. Uh, definitely doesn't really get what I see in little hunks of plastic. But you know, that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, sometimes I, you know, I am not a completist, and I'm married to a completist, so sometimes there's that battle. So I'll just buy like what I like of some things, whereas Arnie which I didn't know this until like maybe about a year ago. So when I'd buy the little things, just what I liked, he would go behind my back and get the whole collection just in case I wanted it later, (laughs) which is very sweet in a way. But it's also like, I was just buying what I wanted, but okay, that's fine too now. (laughs) Yeah, you can't complain with uh, toys. No, no. And it really makes it great to collect with somebody too. It's, It's super fun because, you know, we go on toy runs together you know, when we go on vacations, we go and hit all the different stores we can that we don't have around here. Nice. When we go to, um, outside the country, like we had a blast looking all over uh, Spain for Comtech toys. 
and getting them in, in Spanish. So that was super fun. So, you know, that's kind of fun to make it a, wait, I guess, family activity. Yeah, yeah, that uh, absolutely. That sounds awesome. So we're going to go back to 1999. Mm-hmm. It was still the 20th century. Uh, Star Wars was back in a huge, huge way. And no matter where you turn, there was episode one. If you turned on the TV, you'd see the TV spots. If you were at the checkout lane at the grocery store, you'd see the magazines. Uh, If you went to Taco Bell, you'd see the characters on the menu. And um, not to mention, most importantly, perhaps the toy aisles. Uh, After that first Midnight Madness, which was on May 3rd, uh, 1999, uh, they were covered in pure episode one merchandise. Do you remember that? I do, and I was mad because that was before I met my husband, and I was single woman, and I was intimidated to go to Midnight Madness on my own, so I actually skipped it and went like the next few days and would kind of like poke around and buy the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Nice, yeah. I was um, how I think I was I was fourteen, so I, there was no way I was um, able to go to the store at midnight. Um, I think I, I think per episode two, my dad was nice enough to take me and my brother to go look for toys. But for episode one, we weren't quite at that point yet. I don't think he really saw what the point in, do- in doing that was <laughs> midnight release for toys, uh, which you know, even back then it sounded kind of crazy. But even now it still kind of sounds like, wow, midnight release for toys. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's sad because I do think that we have lost that with Toys R Us and exiting the retail landscape because I don't think we're going to have anything like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's really a bummer. I mean, the loss of Toys R Us has really been a big loss for the toy industry in a lot of ways. Um, sales have been down, uh, although not quite as low as, as some of us might have expected, because I think the report said that action figure sales actually grew by like 10%. And uh, I think toys as an industry was down 3% last year compared to the year before, um, mm-hmm. which isn't horrible. But I mean, still, there were things that you'd get at Toys R Us that you couldn't just get anywhere. You, you can't go to Target. Well, now you can go to Target and buy NECA, but for a long time you couldn't. And, you know, Toys R Us was just supporting so many things that weren't made available anywhere else. And their mm-hmm. distribution was was better in most cases. And um, like stuff like for the Jurassic World line, once again, for example, uh, Mattel had a lot of things that were going to be exclusive to Toys R Us. And when they went out of business, they had to reshuffle a lot of those things. And some of those things uh, were made available through places like um, Amazon or some of the online stores got them. Uh, Walmart had a few things, but some of them weren't even available in the U.S. Some went to Canada, some went to Mexico, to Germany. So it, it just kind of threw a monkey wrench into the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was definitely nice to have Toys R Us for those reasons and for these big midnight launches because I don't think we're going to see anything like that anymore. No, I, I, yeah, I was thinking for episode nine, you know, we were talking about that the other day. Our Target did it, but we were the only Target within like 250 miles that actually had a midnight release for The Last Jedi. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting what's going to happen this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't like today when you'd go into the toy aisle and you'd see maybe a six foot wide Star Wars section, like literally both sides of the entire aisle at the time were dedicated to episode one, Target and Walmart. It, and it wasn't just Hasbro. I mean, there were all these other brands that had all their merchandise, like lining the shelves. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty crazy. It, it was amazing. I was like in heaven with it all. So before we get any further, it's time for 10 questions too many. 
And uh, I have a list of 10 questions here that you have not seen. And uh, you're basically just going to answer with whatever first comes to mind. So are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. All right. Number one, Jawas or Ewoks? Oh, I'm going to have to go with Ewoks. (laughs) Nice. Number two, Darth Maul or Darth Vader? Darth Vader. Number three, why was Jar Jar banished? Because it was incorrect and people don't see his true self. (laughs) Nice. Number four, what was the last Star Wars movie you watched? I watched A New Hope. I think TNT had a big marathon a few days ago. Nice. Number five, Han Solo or Han Solo? Oh, it's Han. Totally agree. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Number six, it's 1999. You want to get to dinner and do some Star Wars shopping at the same time. Do you go to KFC, Taco Bell, or Pizza Hut? Ooh, boy. I think I'm going to have to go to Pizza Hut. <laughs> nice. That, that was pretty interesting how they had all three of the uh, those chains doing that promotion at the time. You could buy the, the big zipper cups with the huge character heads on them at all of those restaurants. I know. I have a huge collection of those, actually. Awesome. The Jar Jar one, I think, was probably the best. Yeah, I, I ended up picking up after the fact on eBay. Got the whole case unopened for a dollar. Oh, wow. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Number seven, it's 2019. Is The Phantom Menace better, worse, or about the same as it was in 1999? I think it's better. I appreciate it more. Nice. Nice. I would tend to agree with that. Uh, number eight, would you rather kiss a Wookiee or be kissed by Jabba the Hutt? Oh, I'd kiss a Wookiee. <laughs> Number nine, fill in the blank. The best character in The Phantom Menace is? Jar Jar Binks. Ooh. And number 10. It's 1999 once again. You rush to the toy aisle to find that one action figure. Which figure do you buy? Oh, I was so torn. I didn't know I liked Jar Jar until I saw the movie like three times in a row. But I was super excited to get Anakin Skywalker. Oh, wow. Yeah, first, um, other than uh, Sebastian Shaw Anakin, that would have been the very first uh, Anakin figure of of a different Mm -hmm. actor portraying Anakin. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, I remember Darth Maul was really popular. I think that was the first one that I actually bought and was really hard to find initially. I think it took a couple of attempts before I was able to find Darth Maul. But it seems like during the prequel era, everyone wants to get the villains first and uh, I remember with episode two, it was like they wanted Count Dooku, who I don't even think was available until like the second wave. And then um, for Revenge of the Sith, it was Darth Vader. Everybody wanted Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everyone goes for the villains because they're new and different. And then that's, um, you know, because the heroes are going to be easy to find theoretically. But the villains are the ones that are new to the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, it seems like during the prequel era, everyone... Um, was really excited about you know all the hype that was uh with that came with the, the prequels coming back out and of course they released the special editions back in 97 and um that kind of got interest uh generated a little bit amongst a lot of people and kids especially because there were a lot of kids that either hadn't seen star wars or they just weren't too familiar with it and you know getting the prequels back out there uh, at least in the school that i went to i know that a lot of kids were seeing it for the first time uh, I, of course, was already a fan by that point, but I know there were a lot of uh, kids that were exposed to it. And then uh, with episode one, that was the first brand new Star, uh, Star Wars film in uh, 16 years. So looking back at that time, 
uh, back to episode one, what are your memories as far as what the, the climate was like, like the, the collecting climate, the atmosphere amongst collectors? What memories do you have about that? You know, that was an interesting time. Um, so I was done with school and my mom had died in 95. So I didn't get to see the special editions with her. And she was the one who got me and my brother into Star Wars and um, Star Trek, possibly. <clears throat> Might be a Trekkie a little bit. And it was really weird to experience all this hype without my mom. Because one of my biggest memories, and this is like super crazy. So when I went and saw Return of the Jedi, my mom took us, you know, it's in May. And we were in line at the one big movie theater we had in town. Because I'm from a small town in the Midwest. And there was a guy dressed as Darth Vader. We were having a blast. I find out when I married my husband that he was in that same line not far behind me because oh. we talked about the Darth Vader, how he stood by the bookstore and everything. So it was like Star Wars was such a part of my life before I met my husband. And then I was in this weird period where I hadn't met him yet, but my mom had been dead for a few years. So it was like me and my brother having these cautious Star Wars talks because we weren't quite sure how we'd feel about experience something like this that meant so much to my mom without her. You know what? I, does that make any sense? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, just, it was like cautious excitement, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, when the special editions came out, I went full on crazy into getting all the fast food premiums. I dabbled into the EU with the books because I just wanted more star Wars. And when Phantom Menace came out, I was cautiously excited about more Star Wars. And I, I couldn't see the movie on the first day because my mom couldn't go with me because she had passed away a few years ago. So yeah. I had to wait and see it like that first Sunday because I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Oh, that's that's hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Once you saw episode one, uh, what, were your, what was your initial reaction to the film? Because I know a lot of people... Um, liked it and then a lot of people didn't quite <laughs> like it to put it mildly what were your first thoughts about it you know the first time I saw it I got out of the theater and I went and saw it with some kids I used to babysit with um I took them because I figured that would be a good activity for us all was babysitting and they were perfectly fine they loved Anakin and everything I walked out and I was just kind of like huh could have used a little bit more action in a few spots okay i think <laughs> it's, like, it's like weird because there's this like bell curve of phantom menace love i think with everybody where you first see it and you're like okay okay yeah all right what is this got it then you get to this like wild swing where you're like it's the weakest of the or, um the prequel trilogy and like the hate starts to build among people it seems and then now it's swinging back the other way where everyone's like, yeah, it's, it's okay. It is what it is. We're fine with it. We accept it. Sure. So I never, I never hated it because I am a huge Jar Jar fan. I'm a Jar Jar focus collector. And I don't know. It's, it's not as bad as I think people make it out to be, but it's also not as good as it could be. Right. I mean, I kind of felt similarly uh, when I first saw it. Um, let's see. I was, uh, I remembered very clearly because it was my very last day of middle school and uh i remember my let's see it was my i think it was a friend of my uncle's that took me and my brother to see it and i remember enjoying it 
I remember thinking some of the parts, um, like like some of the humor, you know, that that you see on Tatooine in particular, <laughs> was a little <laughs> bit out there. But uh, for the most part, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. And um, over the years, that's changed a little bit, and and we'll get into that as uh, towards the end of the of the episode. But um. Uh, let's look at the different assortments that were available uh, from the Hasbro um, episode one toy line. So I'm going to send you a link right here. And okay. uh, that is to Rebel Scum. And that is their photo archive for the uh, for the episode one toy line. And it has all of them listed there. So there's quite a few of them. So we're not going to spend too much time on each one. Uh, that way we can get through all of them. But um, we'll take a look at each one here and just uh, kind of reminisce a little bit about each of these assortments and uh, just kind of let our listeners know what they were about because a lot of collectors that listen to the show are, are a little bit newer. They weren't necessarily collecting back during episode one. So I think it's fun to go back and analyze each of these little assortments because some of them are kind of weird. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes Hasbro does some strange things with their assortments, but I figure somewhere along the line, it's making sense to somebody. Oh, yeah, uh, I would I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first one, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, the first one, of course, is the basic figures. And uh, this is the main assortment. When you think of Star Wars toys, you always think of the action figures. That's what this is here. So it's basically any of the three and three quarter inch figures that were available in the Phantom Menace line. And uh, just taking a quick peek at it here, it looks like there's probably about 25 to 30 figures and Mm -hmm. um, quite a few battle droids, uh, quite a few Jedi, uh, which was a huge thing because up until that point, we hadn't really seen any Jedi in the Star Wars universe other than, of course, Luke and Obi-Wan and Yoda. So Mm -hmm. this was kind of our first look at all these other Jedi. So there were quite a few figures of them. Um, some of the main characters got done a few times, like Darth Maul has three versions, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, they all have three versions of their characters. Um, and uh, a few other more tertiary type characters, like you have you know, the Nimodians, you have some of the pod racers, um, quite a few different characters. It, it, and what's awesome about this toy line and these figures is that these are all brand new. I mean, nobody had ever seen any of these characters before in action figure form. So this was the very first time you could get any of these characters. Yeah, it was, you know, everything was brand new. And that's kind of nice because this is also, um, I mean, new sculpts, which is always great. You know, whereas some of these we saw reused later on, like different things in the later lines, not in the mm-hmm. episode one line. But yeah, it was, I know it was really exciting to return back to these action figures and have so many of them because I think they went all out, I think with episode one and it was great. They did. They really went all out. And the packing accessory, uh, as we still get with most uh, three and three quarter inch Star Wars figures at the time was the Comtech chips. Mm -hmm. And uh, what can you tell us about the Comtech chips that came packed with the figures? You know, I rarely open my figures first of all, but these were kind of fun and they had some super fun phrases and I had a great time in foreign countries chasing down the foreign versions of these in like the Spanish versions. And it was a lot of fun, but I've got a big box of context chips too that <laughs> I need to put in a reader someday and see if they still work. I don't even know if they still work. I don't hmm. I imagine they have a battery. Yeah. Hmm, I, have to take one. I don't know about the okay. chips. I think the, um, the Comtech reader had, I don't even remember what kind of batteries, but I don't know if the chips yeah. did. I don't know. I'll have to take them apart and see. 
Yeah. They're, they're literally a dime a dozen if you go to like toy shows now. Oh, yeah. I mean, people just have boxes and boxes of them. And I keep meaning to have a project to like take them apart and put them in some fun stuff and have phrases and other things, but <laughs> I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. And, and if you recall at the stores, um, they used to have like a, like a, a the reader. A, yeah, the reader. So you could test, you yeah. could grab the figure off the shelf and you could scan it over the reader and you could see what those lines sounded like. Yeah. And I don't have any audio samples of those either. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I don't either. I haven't. Uh, I was when I was talking to Aaron in, in uh, the previous uh, episode. Aaron from Toy Shelf Review. We were looking at the Power of the Force line. We were talking about how some of the last Power of the Force figures also had the Comtech chips, and uh, how those figures had dialogue that was lifted straight from the films. Whereas the Episode One figures were all brand new dialogue. They weren't done by the, the actors from the Star Wars film. Uh, they mm-hmm. were. They were just all like I guess voice actors or something. Yeah, and that's that's always a disappointing bit, I think. And it's interesting that Hasbro has redone that with the force link that they've got now, <laughs> and they've, <laughs> which is has its own little bit of problems. But they've also put it in the Titan figures. You know, the ones that look like giant soap bottles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some of those, bottles. yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I think they look like. But some of them are really cool in the Marvel line. But like in the in the Marvel ones. They actually get the actual actors, which is oh, wow. like it really elevates that to, I think, a more collectible item. Like the Star Lord has Chris Pratt, so nice. And not not everyone does it, but when I, I don't know some contractual stuff, but I think that increases collectability and playability when it's actually the voice you recognize, which I think is what these were lacking a lot. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because even as a kid, I know me and my brother had a bunch of these figures and we listened to them and we'd be like, that just sounds weird. That doesn't sound like Qui-Gon or, you know, the battle droids kind of sound like they had like a like a southern accent. And it was just weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Didn't they? <laughs> You're under arrest. Yeah. Uh, weird oh, stuff. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so you had to buy the Comtech reader separately. And then once you had that, you know, you could use it with your figures. And it even had some little pegs on it. Do you remember that where you could stand the figures on it? Yeah. And that's not something they do anymore at all. It's This is all just making me nostalgic for old three and three quarter inch action <laughs> figures. You know that? Yeah, they had those. That was, yeah, man, now it's really making me want to get these out and play with them, too. I know. I, I don't think I've listened to any of these audio clips, um, gosh, probably since around that time, 1999, 2000. I haven't either. And that's why I was looking real quick to see if I had any sound bites, but I don't. That's something that's missing from the internet. It I'll is. get working on that. Yeah, somebody needs to archive that. That's a good point. I don't think anybody has that. No, I, I see people archive the actual like, text of the phrases, right. but I don't see where anybody's archived the actual recordings, which I'm kind of curious how they would sound if the audio is going to degrade and all yeah that'd be interesting i wonder if maybe there's like a youtube video or something where you can hear some of them yeah i don't know i'll have to get on that so the next assortment is the deluxe figures and it looks mm-hmm. like there were three of them darth maul obi-wan qui-gon and uh okay i remember this i'm looking at the picture of the darth maul my brother had this one um, and these are interesting because they have what looks like um it's kind of like a half of a lightsaber like sort of um it's kind of like, I'm trying to describe it as best I can. It looks like a lightsaber. It grabs onto the back of the figures. Uh, it grabs onto their waist. And then it has like a little button on it. You push the button and then the, the figure moves its lightsaber. Like it moves its arm. So it looks like it's shaking the lightsaber side to side. Yeah, it's like this weird swinging motion. Yes. And then the actual little lightsaber hilt 
um, contraption or tool, whatever you want to call that. It actually has like a really skinny lightsaber blade that comes out of it. Yeah, those were um, those were very interesting. Yeah, and that's something that you'll see through the lines also is these action features that Hasbro has tried various things over the years. I mean, sometimes you squeeze legs and yep. arms fly, and I don't know. I, I think kids are supposed to like that. I, I'm I don't know. As a kid with action figures, we didn't have that when I was young, so <laughs> I don't know if kids today like that. Yeah, I didn't care for the big lightsaber thing around the waist. It always looked like they were being held by like a half a robot arm or something. <laughs> it does kind of look like that. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they're in a robot pinchers, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it, it's unusual. It's different. I don't think they ever did anything like that since, but um, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, we also have the multi-packs. That was another assortment. And um, let's see, these were, okay, so these were kind of like, it looks like the cinema scenes that they did for the uh, for the Power of the Force line. And I'm waiting here for the page to open up. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's not slow for me too, so I must have a slow server. Um, let's see, Darth Maul and Sith Infiltrator. And then there's Final Lightsaber Duel, Figure Collector 2-Pack, Comtech 2-Pack. So I'm trying to remember exactly what, okay. So finally it opened. <laughs> Final Jedi Duel. And uh, yeah, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan. And it looks like they're, it's two figures that are on this little platform looking piece. They retail for $14.99. It says that it's a display stand. And I guess it's kind of meant to look like the figures are dueling. Hang on, I'm waiting for the page to catch up. <laughs> um, it looks like the Darth Maul has a magnetic waist. That way you can reenact the scene in which he gets... Spoiler alert, chopped in half. You know, that this is my beef with the way they did one, two, and three, was if you looked at the figures, because they always had the figures out before the movie, mm -hmm. sometimes if you looked at the figures or at the card back, you would get a spoiler for the movie. Yeah, that was true. And, you know, now that you mentioned that, that was one of the biggest spoilers, I think, from the Star Wars soundtrack for The Phantom Menace. The back uh, of it, Qui-Gon's noble demise, Qui-Gon's funeral, yeah. or whatever it said. Um, yeah. I remember looking at that before I saw the film, and I'm like, seriously, did they have to call the song that? Yeah, so what we do is when things like that come in, we don't look at them until after we've seen the movie. And I remember episode, was it two? Yeah, episode two, where it was the Midnight Madness, and we are trying to say spoiler-free because the internet was really just starting to, come into its own for stuff like that and buying figures and putting them in my cart without looking at them. Like just, Oh yeah. Okay. Not looking at the text and looking away while putting it in. <laughs> and because episode one is when they started really doing that. I, I don't remember. I, you know, I have to look at a vintage package, but yeah, some of these are very spoilerific. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, let's see. So there was that. And then, it's funny because the figures are even posed like like Obi Wan. He has Qui Gon's lightsaber and he's kind of posed like he's like slashing at him. Mm hmm. Let's see. So Darth Maul and Sith infiltrator. Okay. Okay. So that, what that is is, um, these aren't these aren't actually like the cinema scenes. Um, I guess that was another assortment. But these are like yeah, it's kind of like like literally a deluxe figure. It's the figure, and then it has like this one has a little display base, and then it has, um, like a miniature version of the Sith infiltrator. That's maybe like Hot Wheels size, I suppose. And it's just kind of on a little base there with the figure. 
Um, so that, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like a little diorama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. And then let's see here. Figure collector two packs. Um, these are, it's basically just two basic figures. They retail at $12.99. Uh, it looks like they just took two figures and put them in a two pack, basically. Yeah, and that was, those are always fun to get. I don't know why I like those because I always think it's interesting what they pair together. I remember they did that quite a bit too with the Saga line um, it for, for in 2002, 2003 uh, at KB Toys. They actually were pairing like four different figures like in one like big like card, I guess. Like in the, yeah, in the big cardboard thing. Yeah. And I remember yeah. um, kind of looking through them and I'm like, okay, well, I don't want that figure. So I would just kind of <laughs> switch them out until I had like a custom four pack. Well, they did that later on at Walmart and they had... Was it eight packs or six packs too? Same kind of concept. And it was a Black Friday thing where they did these ginormous, like pain in the butt to carry store, everything packs of figures that were just random things through in there. Like there was no theme hmm. other than like Star Wars. That's, it's interesting. So it looks like the next assortment is the cinema scenes. And as I wait to open for that to open, um, I think, uh, as I recall, there was a set that was really great. It had like a really nice Darth Maul figure. Uh, and he was kind of, he was on Tatooine. Okay, here it is. Tatooine Showdown. And um, he was standing like swinging his lightsaber uh, during the, the duel on, on Tatooine. And he has like this billowing cloak that's like, it's, it's a really nice looking figure. It's very statuesque. And um, that also came with, uh, I want to say Qui-Gon, maybe an Anakin. I'm still waiting for it to open. <laughs> yep, me waiting for it too. <laughs> Fun. I didn't realize how slow their sight was. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> there it is. Okay, yeah. So yeah, Qui Gon and Anakin, um, and yeah, that's a really nice looking. I don't even think I I've seen this set. I think I saw it at KB Toys, but I don't think I ever bought it. I don't think I have this particular set, but should track it down because that's a really unique looking uh, Darth Maul figure. And then of course Qui Gon and Anakin being in the set. Um, so that's a perfect little, that, that's a good utilization of the term cinema scenes in this case. Um, let's see. There is Watto's. Oh, wait, no, but of Watto's because I think Watto is a favorite of mine and <laughs> he's ridiculous, but. Okay. Watto's box. Yeah, this was a good one too. This one had Watto and it had a Twi'lek um, and it also, let's see, what's her name? Does it say? Yeah, her name is Shaka. Shaka, yeah. And then and it's also got Graxel Kelvin. Yeah, Graxel Kelvin. The really cool, unique alien figure. I don't think they ever utilized that one again after that, which is I like, no, I don't think so. And what's funny is usually with some of the obscure stuff there's somebody clamoring for it. But I, I don't think anybody's clamoring for Graxel. And I, my other one that no one's clamoring for is Tyon Meaden from episode three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was one of the sneak preview figures, right? Yeah, that's, um, that's a good figure, too. I, I really like that. I was watching Revenge of the Sith a couple of days ago, and I really love that alien design. They did some amazing things in that movie, and I hi also highly recommend watching it in Spanish because the final duel is amazing in Spanish. I mm -hmm. don't know why the voice actors really just, like, pulled out all the stops and gave Oscar-worthy performances, and it's tremendous in Spanish. Oh, wow. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, the emotion is, like... Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's great. That sounds interesting. Uh, and then Moses Spank Counter. This one has Jar Jar Binks. It has Sebulba and it has yet another Anakin figure. 
And um, it looks like, uh, yeah, I guess it's meant to reenact that scene on in Mosespa where um, Sebulba kind of jumps Jar Jar. Um, so yeah, that, it looks like, I guess there were just those three. I, I was under the impression there were more cinema scenes than, than that, but yeah. No, I, yeah, yeah, for some reason I thought there were more too, but I don't know, we had so much and it all kind of just, I don't know, there was so much, maybe it was hard to keep up. And it yeah. was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 20 years. 20 years. Um, so we have the creature sets. And I do remember these quite well because some of these were everywhere at the time. Um, let's see. Ammo Wagon and Falumpus set. Am I saying that right? Falumpus set? Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. I'll have to open this up here. I tried to describe it, but it's going to sound ridiculous if I try to describe uh, it. So <laughs> I see it now. See? <laughs> yeah, I would be like, okay. Um, yeah, this is interesting. So it's um, it's basically like a, a creature uh, on Naboo. And then it has like a wagon that's connected to along with uh, a gunkin. Mm-hmm. These re- retail at nineteen ninety nine, And uh, if they were available today, they'd probably be like $40. Uh, not necessarily. Depends. Um, you know, I'm a big Jar Jar Focus collector. And I will say that most of the time... When I go buy episode one stuff, it is rock bottom cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times people just give me Jar Jar stuff. It's like they're embarrassed to have it. But I've picked up a lot of things that I thought were going to be very expensive, but ended up being ridiculously cheap. Wow. Yeah, and I've seen that too with the Power of the Force. Yeah. A lot of times, okay, so there's we go to Wizard World Chicago. We've been going like 20-some years ever since we met, and... Um, those are usually everywhere for like a dollar figure and they're carded. A lot of times people just throw them in a bin underneath their booth and you root through them and find whatever you need. Wow. And, um, uh, when I said, um, $40, I meant like if Hasbro were to make oh, it they today, it. Yeah. <laughs> they'd uh, probably charge us. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, at least that. Yeah. Yeah, there it's yeah, it's it's out of hand. Um, <laughs> but then you'd wait for a clearance. So I just picked up NC's Nest for five dollars. Nice, uh, the vintage oh. collection version or the uh, the one with the speeder bike. Ah, uh, the one with the speeder bike. Nice. I found that at Walmart, Walmart like two weeks ago for nine dollars. Yeah, that's why I found it in the clearance section. Never saw it on the shelf. Found it in the clearance section. You know what's weird? When I found it. Uh, some of these toys, they were like in the automotive section, like on an end cap, just kind of randomly. And I happened to be walking by and uh, gotta love Walmart. I know they just stick things wherever, <laughs> wherever it fits. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there were some other things too in this creature sad assortment, uh, Opie and Qui-Gon, um, Kadu and Jar Jar Binks. I always like the Famba. The Famba and Gungan Warrior. Yeah, that that's that, super cool looking. And that Java is the worst Java I think they've ever made. Yeah, I, I never got this one. Is it, I'm trying to open the page. Is it the one that has like the green lips? Yeah, it looks like he's got dark green lipstick on, and his mouth is like in this weird shape. It's it's this one was terrible. I mean, it's worth it to get um, was that Foden Bead? What are their names? Foden Bead, yeah. Yeah, yeah but right. the Darjar is he's just so wrong. It's not even it's it's yeah, it's bad. Oh yeah, this is awful. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and, and also, you know what, this version of Foden Beat, it's, I think it's, uh, I'm trying to remember the story exactly, but I think they were going to use, like, practical, and then when they went to digital, they, like, totally redesigned the character or something. 
Um, because if you look at the Foden beat in the set, they look nothing like the ones that were released in the Power of the Jedi line a couple of years later. Yeah, I mean, they're completely different. Yeah, it's interesting. But, and I think that's a big thing that happens a lot of times um, with the toys is the manu- the manufacturers are given like certain amount of information and very limited information, especially like something with Star Wars or Avengers. Mm-hmm. And they make toys based on what they are given. And then sometimes by the time the movie is released, it's completely different. Um, right. That's why we have um, Constable Zuvio. <laughs> and uh, in with um, Iron Man 3, they Lego made this huge speedboat set that if you've seen Iron Man 3, the whole speedboat thing was literally 30 seconds, if that. I'm trying to remember Iron Man 3. I think I saw it once. Yeah, that's exactly enough. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so let's see. Uh, another assortment accessory sets. Um, let's see. Flash Cannon, Gungan Energy Ball Catapult set. Uh, hyperdrive repair kit accessory set Naboo accessory set okay I think I remember these these were basically like you'd find them on the shelf with uh with the basic figures and um they were essentially just like a a little collection of extra accessories you could replace your lightsabers your blasters um the one here I'm looking at the Sith accessory set it has like uh, an extra like robe I guess for Darth Maul uh it has a couple of those little um those little droids that Darth Maul had on on Tatooine Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, his, his binocular, just like little random accessories. And I assume if I recall correctly, um, let's see, Tatooine accessory set. Yeah. It's like Qui-Gon's robe and it has a, like a rifle and, um, these are pretty interesting. You know, I wouldn't be opposed of, of them releasing something like this again, where you just have like for the four ninety nine price point, it lists here, um, just a little collection of extra accessories that you could have on hand for your figures. Yeah. And you know, it'd be great to have something because you know, accessories just something gets lost or whatever it comes with, you usually not what you personally would have chosen, you know? And I think one thing missing from the current Star Wars line is we don't get great accessories. Right. Yeah, totally. That's definitely something that uh, they did very well back in the, in the late nineties. And um, today it's basically like you just get the figure, maybe, maybe an accessory, um, very rarely two accessories, and then you get the the force link compatibility, which I personally don't really use. Um, but yeah, we don't. They definitely don't do uh, anywhere near as as many um, accessories or play sets or vehicles, even where you have you know more compatibility across the line. It's just everything's a little bit more segmented into its own like kind of thing, and that's basically that. Like, there's just not that playability anymore. Yeah, and what's funny is, like, in the Marvel line, like Marvel Legends, not only do you get to build a figure, which usually ends up being something cool, but I feel you get better accessories in that line. A lot of times you get accessories where you're not getting anything in, like, the Black Series. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes you get a little bit more at the Legends, and I don't know the reasoning for that. Yeah, I assume part of it is um, the licensing fees. I know that they pay yeah. more, like, on Star Wars, but... Um, yeah, it definitely would be nice to have more with 6-inch, too, because it's it's kind of the same thing. I mean, it's basically just the figure. It's not like you can buy, like, a playset or anything to get more accessories for them. Yeah, and, you know, we, we did get some playsets last year with Solo Movie. We got uh, Vandor, but, I mean, they were we got ours finally, like, three months after they were released, and I bought one and then waited and ended up buying more in clearance, so. Nice. 
Yeah, I just, I think it was like a week ago for the very first time I found the Kessel playset at Walmart. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've not seen that one yet. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it looks cool for what it is. It just seems a little expensive, but. Um, it's cardboard. Yeah, it's cardboard. I mean, they, they did that for like $13 back during the Power of the Force days. It just seems mm-hmm. like $40. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, this one actually looks really cool. The Hyperdrive Repair Kit Accessory Set. That looks fun. Yeah, that one does look fun. Let's see, so now we have play sets. It says there's the R2-D2 carry case, Theed Generator Complex, and Theed Hanker. These are amazing. I still wish they did stuff like this, which, you know, I guess the price point would be ridiculous because these are all plastic. But, and that's why we're getting the cardboard ones. But I absolutely love these, and I really wish we'd get more of these. I think the Theed Hanger play set is the best. That R2, I thought always could have, I always felt it could have been better. I'm trying to open it up. I don't quite remember. Oh, okay, there it is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it It looks like R2, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's a little odd. I mean, it, it opens up and it's carry-all place at um, exclusive destroyer droid, fold-down ramp. I don't, I don't really know what location that's supposed to be. It's R2's belly. Ah. <laughs> that's I mean, I have no idea either. I think it's just I, I think it was a nod to the Vader and three PO carrying cases mm-hmm. of the past and this just didn't have the same I don't know nostalgic. I mean it's great because it's R two, I love R two D two. I have a ginormous R two D two tattoo on my leg, but <laughs> I just I, I just feel this is missing something. Yeah, definitely it looks a little bit lacking. Um, the Thee Generator Complex looks a little bit better. It's it's actually like mm-hmm. a little playset, and it has a battle droid. Yeah, and battle droids, I think, are severely underrated. But, I mean, this looks fun. If you got a few, you could probably make a little bit more of a Thee scene and, you know, put some backdrops in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could definitely do that. And if you wanted to take some photos of your toys, you could use that as a backdrop. Mm-hmm. Thee Hanger playset. So this is a different one. It's kind of similar, but it's... Uh, so it has Qui-Gon and a battle droid. And uh, this is a little more expensive. It's $32.99. I don't, you know, it's funny. Like I'm looking at some of these and I honestly don't even remember like these two play sets. I mean, I, I guess it was just because of the glut of product that was on the shelves back then. But yeah, some of these actually seem kind of new to me. Yeah. I remember vaguely seeing them, but I, I can't tell you now if I've seen them since then, like at toy shows or something like that, you know? Yeah, I wonder if it's that sort of thing that you often see where, you know, the figures are sometimes inexpensive, but if you want to get, like, play sets from older lines, like the Mustafar playset, for example, from Revenge of the Sith, like, some mm-hmm. of those are kind of expensive nowadays. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, let's see here. Okay, so vehicles, another classic assortment. Vehicles have always been a very important part of any Star Wars toy line. Um, so there's several here. There's Anakin, Skywalker's Pod Racer, Droid Fighters... Uh, Flash Speeder, I don't remember which one that one was. Uh, Naboo Fighter, Naboo Royal Starship, uh, Sith Speeder and Darth Maul. Uh, Stap and Battle Droid, I think that was the very first... Um, this might have been different packaging, I'm trying to open it up here, but they actually did release one of those um, back in the Power of the Force line. Like It was like one of the very first like sneak preview items for mm-hmm. Episode 1. It looks like it's the same exact item, it's just they switched the packaging on it. So we're eleven ninety nine trade federation tank. 
Uh, this was another one that they repacked or they repainted like a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they must have. Yeah, re- I, mm-hmm. I think they really embraced the repaints with Episode Two and all the Jedi starfighters that were like Skittles colored oh, in yeah. the clone. Yeah, and a lot of them weren't even from the films or anything. They were just kind of like Hasbro's own take on. Yeah. Like Mace had his his nice purple starfighter, of course. Yeah. He had a purple droid. <laughs> he probably had a purple house that he lived in in the Jedi Temple. <laughs> Um, yeah, these are great. Federation tank. Uh, droid fighters. Uh, I think those were, I'm waiting for it to open, but I think those were like, was it like three like little vulture droid type ships or something? I thought so, yeah. Hang on, I'm waiting for mine to open as well. Anakin's pod racer, of course, that one was um, a pretty key part of the film. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever picked that one up. I know they did re, I don't know if it was like a re, tool or a repaint but i know they did issue a similar one um when uh Phantom menace came back in 3d uh in 2012 i think yeah was that when it was yeah wow uh let's see yeah trade federation droid fighters it is those three um like small vulture droid type but back then they weren't known as vulture droids it just says trade federation droid fighters and they're this very uh interesting green color yeah, it is interesting, the paint apps. I feel that this line wasn't as bright. While the movie, I thought, was very colorful, I don't think the toys were as colorful as the movie. Right, yeah, definitely not quite as colorful. See, Naboo Fighter, that uh, another important uh, ship in the Phantom Menace. That one has, uh, let's see, looks like R2-D2, but yeah, it's R2-D2 permanently mounted into the ship and then it has uh the rico lee action figure which oh no it says it doesn't it says not included um so yeah i, I don't know why they would picture picture rico lee with r2 because that never happened but, you know, <laughs> I, won't, I won't say anything that's the eu <laughs> um okay so naboo royal starship this one was like the big like the big yeah. play set for for phantom yes. menace uh, it says here that list price was ninety nine ninety nine, which I mean for nineteen nine for nineteen ninety nine that was um that was quite a bit of money, um and it was electronic and I never had this I always wanted it I still want it hopefully one day I'll be able to get it, um but yeah it's basically Queen Amidala's starship, and um it's it opens it has panels on it that come apart and you can see like the inside of the vehicle and you can it has like the broken hyperdrive so i guess that's where you would buy the uh the hyperdrive accessory set and yeah uh, to repair it yeah and brilliant brilliant and it's got the movie sounds too which I'm, you know i i can't imagine i mean the intent was probably to have little kids flying this around like they used to do the falcon but i just can't imagine little kids flying around the Naboo Royal Starship and playing the movie sounds. Right. And this was pretty big, I think, wasn't it? As I recall, it was. And I'm trying to find the exact length of it. But I thought it was sizable. and But I also thought, for some reason, it was not constructed well. I don't know why I have that memory in my head about it. Hmm. Yeah. But it was the only way to get that red R2 unit. Yeah, that's a nice looking R2. Um, let's see, was it 20? I think it was around the same time that Phantom Menace came back in 3D, but there was an accessory or a, a droid pack at Walmart, um, an exclusive there. And I don't know if it had this exact droid in it, but it did have like four astromech droids that were in this set, four or five droids. 
might have been. I'll have to go back and look at that. But one thing that's pretty cool about this, too, is it has Queen Amidala's, like, throne or her chair. <laughs> that's yeah. Cool. Um, so let's see what else. Uh, Sis Speeder and Darth Maul. This is uh, basically his little um, uh, speeder that he had on Tatooine. And um, my brother had this one. Uh, and this one was pretty cool because even though it wasn't film accurate, you could actually mount his lightsaber into the very front of the speeder so you can make him fly around and cut down you know the jedi or whatever mm-hmm. yeah, those, those i thought cool he looked set. like the wicked witch from wizard of oz on this <laughs> he kind of does um and i, I kind of remember seeing this one go to clearance in in uh some stores i kind of have this memory of seeing it for like five dollars or something like that I, I think a lot of them went on clearance i wouldn't be surprised there was a lot of um over purchasing by retailers, um, even as recently as um, Force Awakens, there are some companies that still have warehouses full of Episode Seven stuff that they were never able to sell. Wow. Yeah. Let's see. So uh, vehicles, uh, invade. Oh gosh, there's still quite a few here. Um, yeah, there's a ton of vehicles. They, they went crazy with the vehicles. They did. Um, let's see. Another assortment, uh, Invasion Force. Uh, Invasion Force. Invasion Force. Doesn't try to jog my memory on that one. Uh, Armored Scout Tank with Battle Droid. Uh, Gungan Assault Cannon with Jar Jar. Hmm. Sounds interesting. Let's see. Gungan Scout Sub with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think I remember that one. Uh, Sith Attack Speeder with Darth Maul. Is that not the same speeder? I don't remember what these were. Probably once I see the card, I'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I guess these are like kind of like mini rigs, basically. Okay. Yeah, so like the, the battle droid has like a miniature version of the, uh, the, the assault tank. I don't remember seeing these in the stores, but maybe they were like one of those things you could only get like at KB Toys or Toys R Us or something. The boxes look familiar, but probably, again, because they're sitting in my house. <laughs> Gungan Assault Cannon with Jar Jar. It sounds really interesting. Okay, so it's Jar Jar, and he has, like, a little a cannon type thing, just as the name indicates. Uh, but mm -hmm. it's a pretty cool-looking cannon. Yeah, it's the one that shoots those the sparkly balls. I don't know what to call them. <laughs> I can't remember what they're called. But. I don't know the yeah, like the glow orbs or yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what you would call those. Was that the same thing that they gave uh, Queen Amidala at the very end of the film? Yeah, I'm not sure about that, and I probably need to research Gungan culture more because it seems like that would be dangerous to give them a weapon like that. It does. It does, and um, it's funny. I was do I did this. Um, I started this new series on the channel uh, this week, where it kind of goes more into like Star Wars, like more into like the lore and myth of Star Wars. And I I did this one on Captain Panaka, what he meant by um, battle hardened Federation army, because that was never like elaborated on in in the film. Like you know where had they battled before this and that, but um, I, I guess you know in the, in the expanded universe legends. Um, that they had kind of had some encounters with pirates and stuff, but um, it, it, anyway, in the video, I kind of get into how Captain Panaka was, as you know, very pessimistic, um, mm -hmm. a little bit of a downer. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of the things he tells Jar Jar is that 
most likely the Gungans were wiped out. Um, but, you know, then you see they had all this technology that, and they had like these blue orbs or whatever they were that would, you know, like it go onto the, they'd throw, launch them at the battle droids and they'd kind of short circuit or just, you know, they'd fall down. Um, so they really did have some pretty neat technology. Yeah, they did. They were way more advanced than people give them credit for. Oh, yeah. Okay. Gungan Scout sub with Obi-Wan. So this is an Obi-Wan figure. His hair is wet. And he has, um, yeah, it's like a miniature version of um, the sub that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Jar Jar used to get back to the surface. So, yeah, these are basically just like like mini rigs, uh, which they've mm-hmm. brought back off and on over the years. The Sith and Attack speeder is more like an enclosed car than it was the speeder we got in the movie, too. Yeah, that's an interesting one. That actually looks kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, it, I think it looks not as silly as the other one. The other one I always thought was silly. Yeah, that's. I might have to track that down. I don't. I know I don't have that, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Let's see. And uh, let's see. Invasion Force light up another assortment. Darth Maul is holograph, and Qui Gon is holograph. I've never seen these outside the package. I really need to open toys more. <laughs> I uh, I pretty much strictly open practically everything unless it's like something that I'll have an extra of or, you know, just something that stands out to me where I'll buy another one of it. But Mm -hmm. I I generally, I generally uh, have very weak controls. I open everything. (laughs) Well, I I have some that I keep in package and if I ever find a duplicate, I can open it. But I I like to keep it mostly in package too. So let's see, Darth Maul figures holograph. Okay, so it's basically just a little holographic Darth Maul, and it's kind of like on this little base, and it says that it lights up. I really don't yeah, remember Yeah, so that. it's just, yeah, I don't remember these either. They're just a little translucent figures, so. You know, they keep trying. The hologram stuff, they are they keep trying and trying, and I've yet to see them arrive at, like, the perfect one. Mm-hmm. But eventually the technology will catch up. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Um yeah, I don't think they've done any that are all that convincing. Uh, I think for the spirit figures, uh, they've actually done a pretty decent job. Like they did the spirit of Obi-Wan back in like the original trilogy collection. I think they did a pretty good job with that. But um, yeah, like the holograms aren't. Yeah, they basically just look like a blue like popsicle or something. Yeah, and honestly, the best I think I've ever seen of a holograph done is uh, Kodo did holograph Yoda. That was amazing. And they got the technology hmm. right, but it was at a much higher price point. So. Oh, nice. Okay. So there's another sort assortment called bonus battle droids. Yeah. These are just like little extra battle droids because I think that Hasbro realized that there's a lot of people who do, um, troop building. Mm-hmm. So they released more of these. Yeah, and they are... just did a ton of them. And they're with other characters, but you got a battle droid with each character. Nice. Uh, let's see, are these exclusive somewhere? Because I don't remember seeing these. I don't remember them being exclusive. See, so they were $9.99, and there's also, there's also the bonus pit droids, too. Mm-hmm. Now, the pit droids are something that is desperately needed. Yeah, those were... And that, that was one of the good things... Um, do you remember the, was it the 30th anniversary collection where they did like Saga Legends and they had like all the different droids and troopers and stuff with in different like mm-hmm. markings and paint schemes? Yep. And yeah, that was 
great times. I was reminiscing with someone about the ultimate galactic hunt a while ago too. Yeah, that was that was a fun thing. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, luckily, since I, I'm mostly like an opener, I wasn't. You know, I didn't need to have like the the foil. Uh, I think with the vintage collection, they did like the the foil lettering on the card backs and some of them. Yeah, it was it was uh, very very painful to collect when you're a non-opener on some of those. <laughs> Let's see. Um, okay, so weapons and accessories. So, all right, this looks like it's role play. So it's like lightsabers. Uh, or no, this is this is actually a guide for every weapon and accessory that comes with each individual action figure. That's very interesting. <clears throat> That's uh, That could come in handy, I suppose. But it's not an yeah. actual assortment. Uh, battle bags. What are battle bags? Those were those, um, the little bags that had like the extra little, oh, the one I picked on was the creatures. I remember the little bags. For some reason, I've got a ton of these bags. I have no idea if they've still got the stuff in them. Hmm. Sea creatures, swamp creatures. Yep. Those are the ones you throw in water. Uh, were they like the kind that like you throw them in water and then they grow bigger? Yes. And I'm trying to think, I don't think I've ever opened one, but I've seen a bunch of these little bags around and now I know what they are. Hmm. Hmm. Fun. I have to, where if they still work? Yeah. I was just wondering that myself. <laughs> It'd be a good experiment. Yeah. I know like the food items, like, like candy melts. It's really weird. It kind of just degrades and turns into like this chemical goo. But I'm curious how this stuff would do. I'm going to I'm going to a toy show in a few weeks. I'll have to grab one and see what I can find. Nice. Okay, so Epic Force, and this was something they actually brought back from uh, the uh, the power of the of the Force, which was um, they're kind of like six inch scale or five or six inch scale, and um, they come in this tubular type pack. Tubular. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> like a tube type <laughs> packaging, and um, you could rotate it 360 degrees, and you could see the entire figure without taking it out of the package. Those were nice. Looks like they did Darth Maul, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Qui-Gon Jinn. And uh, yeah, it would be great to see the, the photos of it. But again, it's going a little bit slow right now. But um, I didn't have any of these. I do I do think I remember vaguely that these were a thing. Or maybe, maybe I didn't even know they were a thing until recently. But uh, I know for the power of the force, I had the C-3PO. Um, but I never got any of the others, which I, I feel like I should have because these are actually kind of cool. Yeah, and you know, they kind of brought this back later on because do you remember the Unleashed that kind of came in the giant round tubes and you could rotate it and see everything there too? So they kind of have continued the concept, but not necessarily on such a, I guess, grand scale because right now we've got the Galaxy of Adventure tubes. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With the world's smallest comic book or the galaxy's smallest comic book, whatever it yeah. says on there. Yeah, those were on clearance at a local Walmart for, for $7 each. I bought the Darth Vader. Yeah, I've still seen them only at full price. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, kind of cool in concept, I guess, but actually seeing the finished product, it's not really anything too remarkable. No, it's just kind of, yeah. Okay, 12 inch figures. So, Oh, wow. There's quite a few of them. Looking at the list here, there's like 15 different 12-inch figures. I had no idea. Um, I know I had the Darth Maul 
for sure. I, I, I know I still have the Darth Maul. Uh, and uh, these are basically the same thing they were doing in the in before that uh, during the collector series and the action collection where you'd have a 12 inch figure. Basically, it was like a doll. It had like soft goods clothing and accessories and, and such. Um, and uh, there's quite a few there. It lists Anakin Skywalker uh, or a Singh. Uh, interesting. Battle droid. Yeah, I mean, she, I don't know why Aura Singh got it. I don't know if she's supposed to be a better, bigger part of the movie. I know she's huge, like, with um, people who love bounty hunters, but, I mean, she was blinking, you miss her in the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She she got a bigger role in Clone Wars, luckily, but in, um, yeah, Phantom Menace, it's just like a quick, like, blip, and then she's gone. Mm-hmm. The doll's kind of creepy looking, actually, now that I'm looking at it. <laughs> Uh, let's see, there was Boss Nas, Boss Nas, um, yeah, actually pretty cool looking. He's, um, yeah, he's quite a bit of personality sculpted onto his face. Let's see, there are a couple of Jar Jars. Jar Jar's outfit looks very odd. It's, it doesn't look anything it, like the film in terms of the colors. No, and it's very plasticky too. It's got a weird texture to it. Um, I think this is the one, yeah, the, not the talking one, but the other one. Mm-hmm. I actually have it on my nightstand right now, <laughs> but <laughs> nice. yeah, it's kind of a weird, I love the box that they did for him though. I don't know. Like with the side view, I always thought they mm-hmm. looked like church windows. No, that's a good point. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. And the 12 inch line is something that they've struggled with. And I think it's just completely dead. And the only thing we're getting now that's in that scale with soft goods is the forces of destiny, but I don't even know if that's still going. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it is. I know that most of my local stores clearanced them out a while back, but um, uh, there are some that never made it to retail. I know there's like Ahsoka Tano and Padme. I never saw those in the stores. Uh, and I know that you can still get those like on Hasbro Toy Shop. Uh, they, they have them like on clearance there actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're actually making any of that line anymore. I honestly thought it was dead until... San Diego when they threw that Chewbacca and the Porks with it out. So, which was like yeah. the number one selling thing at Hasbro's um, Comic-Con booth. So. Oh, wow. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I think I would say the exclusives last year were um, like, like that one was pretty cool. And then um, the, uh, the vintage collection three pack was pretty neat, but uh, like the, the, the big two pack that had like Kylo Ren and, the centerpiece, um, I was going to say Padme, Ray, um, it was like $110 or something. Yeah, it was really overpriced this year, wasn't it? It was. Were you at the Hasbro bre- preview breakfast last year? By any I chance? was. Were you? Yes. Okay, I'm going to Comic-Con this year again, so we'll have to make it a point to like meet up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I'll be there on the uh, on the Saturday. Okay. Yeah, we're, we go in, we get in like Tuesday and stay through Monday, so... Right on. That's cool. I um I live here, so it's just like an Uber right away for me. Ah, oh, nice. So let's see. They had Mace Windu, and Mace Windu looks uh, looks a little bit like Sam Jackson, a little bit. <laughs> uh, they had pit droids. I'm gonna have to get those pit uh, droids. They made some odd choices, I think, with the twelve inch figures. Yeah, R two A six. Who is R two A six? It's a green that- astromech. Is that the Queens? Uh, must be. It is. It must be. Uh, the bio doesn't say anything about R2A6, but 
Yeah, it's like a green astromech. Uh, Qui-Gon, I kind of remember. Yeah, this the, this Qui-Gon looks really creepy. <laughs> this hair is insane. I stand by that they gave him the worst hair of the entire Star Wars series. Yeah, it was um, it was an interesting style, and it's it's very obvious, at least to me, that it's a wig. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a very bad wig. <laughs> Poor Qui-Gon. Yeah. See Sabulba, and he has one of those little uh, frog sort of creatures. And they did a Watto 12-inch scale. I didn't know that. Ooh, that actually looks really good. Yeah, Watto got more stuff than I thought he deserved, but I have a, I have a special spot in my heart for Watto. So he, he's got the same inflection as my father-in-law did. So oh, wow. every time I see episode one, I think of my father-in-law. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, let's see. And again, for anybody listening, we are we're just using the Rebel Scum uh, photo archive to look over this episode one toy line. So let's see. That was twelve inch. Let's move on to the Queen Amidala collection. And, now this um, was really interesting because they're twelve inch dolls, but they don't include them in that line for some reason. Like they're completely separate, and they're kind of they've got more accessories. They're kind of like Barbies. Yeah, uh, and actually, they don't have any of these here in the photo archive. Yeah, they're, I don't know why. I mean, they're literally super cheap when you find them, but they're, I don't know, they're, they came with hair accessories, like you can change your hats, her yeah. outfits. Um, yeah. And, but unfortunately, because they try to mimic the kabuki makeup, they're tragically pale and frightening when you look at uh. them. <laughs> I, I do remember it. it this is the one that i think uh, they had like the the suit that could be like transformed into like three different looks is that right i believe no that's not these it's not these these okay. are um the separate ones that they've got um one with her handmaiden outfit like with the orange where she's um in disguise and then they've got the oh which one is that They've got her royal red gown and then the um, the seed gown. So I'm going to have to Google it here. Okay. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying now. And they yeah. have like, they're like ultimate hair queen. These are clearly marketed towards women or little girls. I mean, ultimate hair queen, ultimate elegance, and ultimate, I can't read what the other one says. Um, it says ultimate royalty. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're clearly marketed not towards toy collectors, but maybe at getting little girls into the line. Right. Yeah, totally. Let's see. And this one is uh, Beautiful Braids Padme. Uh, is that what the other one is? Okay. Sorry, I couldn't read it on the picture I had. She has beautiful braids. <laughs> Let's see. And then the next assortment, and this one I do remember quite well, was um, the Portrait Edition. And uh, these were also Queen Amidala figures, but they were like more expensive Queen Amidala figures. I think they were like around $40. They're not, they're not, there's not actually photos here in the photo archive of them, but um, I do have the, I think it's the red, which, which one do I have? I think it's the red Senate gown. Um, and uh, when you look at them, they actually have really nice looking soft goods. Like the quality of their clothing is, is really nice and they have uh, pretty nice sculpts as well. Um, they also did Defense of Naboo. They did Black Travel Gun, which is also a really nice looking one. 
and uh, Return to Naboo. I don't know if I ever saw the Return to Naboo one in stores, but I do remember the others. Now, these had really nice packaging. And one thing that they were trying to do with um, Episode 1, and we saw it a lot with Episode 7 and 8, was they were trying to hit the fashion and hit that aspect to try to draw other people into Star Wars. And one thing that was, like, huge in the clubs and everything was makeup like Amidala, like where you do the lipstick, like, just in the middle. That was, like, a huge look in the late 90s because of the Star Wars. And there were some crazy hair trends, but mostly you saw that on the runways. Uh And it didn't really translate into regular everyday or clubbing for people. But the makeup looks were, like, super hot in the clubs. Oh, wow. Interesting. And I don't know if I should feel sad that I know that, but... <laughs> well, that's, that's good to know. That that gives a little bit of a background on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they were doing is, like, these were, like, high-fashion dolls and more collector-focused dolls. Oh, yeah. But not necessarily for the Star Wars collector, but for the doll collector. Kind of, like, similar to, like, the Tonner dolls. I mean, you know those? No. I don't think okay. I do. They, they're like them. these $100 weird dolls and they've got like a Marvel line and they're dolls inspired and they're highly collectible. Hmm. People like would shiv others for them. And I, that's kind of like the market they were going for with these. Oh, well, huh, interesting. I have a lot of useless knowledge about toys. Hey, I, I, no worries. I do too. <laughs> Talk about them all day long. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Palm Talkers. Here's another assortment. Palm Talkers. What are Palm Talkers? It sounds like walkie-talkies. Um, oh, th- okay. So this says that these are actually not not Hasbro. Yes. These are Tomy Japan. Yeah, th- these are super fun. I think these last ones I saw for these were for past episode three. But they're like little deformed figures. I love this kind of stuff. And they're so great. They're just ridiculous. And... These should talk. Um, the ones I have, and I don't remember my episode one, episode one ones of these, but um, they have like little phrases they say, but their big key in collectability is that they are like super deformed. Hmm. Yeah, they, they do look interesting. Here's the R2 one. And yeah, definitely very uh, caricature-esque. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it looks like there's also a Yoda, there's a Jar Jar, there's a Darth Maul and Battle Droid. And yeah, those look fun. Yeah, they were great. And I I thought that they were cheaper than twelve ninety nine to be honest. For some reason, I thought they were $10 or under because no matter what the economy is, $10 is like my breaking point for tchotchkes. Like, well, if it's under $10. And I've got a whole bunch of these that came out with episode two and episode three. And then... Seems like they had them beyond that, and they were exclusive to Kmart for some reason. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, Kmart uh, sometimes will get some pretty weird stuff. They do, and it's weird. I don't know how or why they get what they do. It's almost like they're big lots sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you still have Kmart's over in your area? Hon- honestly, our, this is so funny you ask that. On Sunday, our last Kmart closed. Oh. And it's like a Kmart that had been there since like 1946 or something. Oh, wow. That's a shame. Um, I don't have any in, in the area here anymore. The, we had one that was actually really close. Uh, it closed um, like two years ago, and then they, they transformed it into a Walmart. Um, but yeah, it's um, 
Yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, I never could find like a bunch of toys at Kmart, but mm-hmm. um, you know, once in a while, for whatever reason, like if you, it would it would be like the one place where you would find something that you couldn't find elsewhere for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> they were the only ones that carried the Palm Doggers for some reason. Huh. Let's see, there's role play. Um, okay, so they don't have some of these archived here, but there are some photos of some of them, but. I mean, just looking over some of the names, I mean, obviously, Darth Maul double-bladed lightsaber, Qui-Gon lightsaber, uh, Obi-Wan lightsaber. These are basically just like your usual electronic lightsabers that they still have uh, for any of the films. Um, They retail maybe like around $20 price point. And uh, I think for episode one, I want to say, like, at least for the Darth Maul, it didn't like light up, but it, uh, when you hit something, I think it would flash, wouldn't it? I thought so. Um, yes, it, it would. And it didn't have the sound. It had the hum looking at the package. Yes. And, I have um, to get some of these out and play with these now. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you for the, for the Jedi braids, cause the Padawan braids were like all the rage because of the movie. Um, when we got married, which was in 2002, we did have a star Wars theme wedding. And the day before we got married, I was driving all over town, and so was my husband, trying to find these accessory packs of the Jedi braids so that the groomsmen and the ushers who were Jedi (laughs) Padawans would be authentic. Oh, nice. Yeah, we ended up not finding any and just being, like, okay with it. That's that's fun. We we didn't have a Star Wars-themed wedding, but I did convince my husband to do a lightsaber duel, so we did that at least. Oh, that's fun, yeah. Yeah, we had um, costumes inspired by the movie. My husband's groom cake was a, the Millennium Falcon. Oh, nice. uh, we had the 12-inch Luke and Leia, which just because they had the better outfits for weddings. It's cake toppers. We had all kinds of, like, Star Wars fun. I had Gungan-themed um, centerpieces. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy. And it was I did, like, betta fish with some plants in them, and it was very Gungan-esque. <laughs> that sounds cool. Uh, let's see what else. I think we're almost done. Miscellaneous. There's a miscellaneous section here. Um, okay, so 3D figure painters, uh, Clash of the Lightsabers card game, Comtech Reader. We talked about that. Interactive Yoda. That sounds like the type of thing that they've done off and on over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, tr- trying to get this to load, but um, is that kind of what that was? Kind of like maybe like a talking Yoda you could play with? Yeah, and I think that's, I think I've got him, I was thinking he's pretty really accessible. I thought he was the one that was kind of like a magic eight ball, and he would talk, and ours, every time you'd move the box, because when we're moving, he would talk at you. Hmm. Now, interestingly, the Hungry Hero Jar Jar was my very first Jar Jar purchase that was outside of an action figure, and it is probably my favorite oh yeah it's my favorite jar jar toy because you squeeze him and his tongue flies out like um, <laughs> like a like a frog and then rolls back in oh, it nice. is super fun it's amazing and i hardly see that anymore that's um I, i've not seen it around when i go to toy shows or anything but that one is super it's one of my favorite toys if not my favorite <laughs> i see that here yeah that looks that looks like a blast yeah, he's fun. And then, you know, the the Comtech reader, and you know the story about what that is, right? 
Yeah. What they, what they used in the movie about it was the, the big shaver. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Now we're paying nineteen ninety nine for a shaver that was probably seven bucks. I know, right? Um, Jabba Glob. Okay, I remember Jabba Glob because I know I found that one on clearance at KB Toys. Um, and uh, this one, they actually, they repurposed the sculpt on this one in 2004, I think. 2003 or 2004 when they were doing the Ultra line, uh, part of the Saga line. Uh, and they re- they were releasing things like the Wampa and uh, Jabba's Denizens. And they mm-hmm. did a Jabba the Hutt. It was based off of this Jabba here, which this one doesn't look anywhere near as nice as the other one. But um, this one came, you know, and it's funny because this one comes with a little, like a little jar, a little canister of slime. And, that was uh, the best. Yeah, and you put it in his body with the little frog creatures mixed in, and then uh, it comes out of his mouth. Um, what's funny is I was at my parents's. Um, I'm from Texas originally, and uh, some of my stuff is still there. This is one of those things that's still there in my old closet. Um, and uh, I pulled out that can of the, of the Jabba Glob slime. And I opened it up and I kind of like sniffed it and it smelled exactly like it used to, you know, 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, it looked like it, it still held held up as like a little, you know, glob of slime. So Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I would have thought it would have dried out. I know, huh? But it, yeah, it was totally intact and I didn't have time to actually play with it. I should have probably brought it with me and done a video of it. That probably would have been fun. But um, yeah, that's uh, that was definitely a fun one. And let's see what else did they have? Um, Sith speeder game, Naboo fighter game. Um, says FAO Schwartz exclusive, twenty four ninety nine. Okay, it says handheld games. It says hard to find exclusive game that includes a unique Darth Maul figure. Hmm, I don't remember those. I don't remember those either. But if it was FAO Schwartz, that was hit or miss, and they're so hard to find without the internet. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, we didn't have any of those. Um, I don't even know if they had any in Texas at all. But um, in my hometown, we didn't even have Toys R Us. We had a KB Toys. That was probably like, you know, like the one place you go to find all these like more obscure types of toys. But mm-hmm. I'm sure Toys R Us would have had way more selection. Um, and then let's see, Star Wars buddies. I do remember those because they brought those out in the '90s, and those were basically like the little plush, mm-hmm. um, a little toys and there are quite a few different ones um and i guess this is the same thing it's just they made some for episode one yeah i mean i think they do this with every movie um that they've got they just make the little plushies yeah that's what it is there's padme qui-gon obi-wan which they kind of look like sesame street characters they kind of yeah they're kind of weird <laughs> i know what's funny is now we're in these like super deformed plushies that's what's coming out now i know yeah everything's I'm about i'm a fan of those yeah, like the Funko Pops or the, um, I think Funko has like other series as well that are not Pops mm-hmm. that are also kind of have that deformed look to them. Yep. Let's see, there's also a section here for canceled toys. So just take a quick peek here. Um, mm, there's quite a few things. The uh, Oom 9 and Trade Federation tank trophy assortment. Uh, there's Obi-Wan and Gungan sub trophy assortment. Turn to open those so I can see what those look like. Gungan Warrior and Destroyer Droid, Qui-Gon and Battle Droid, Electronic Handheld Naboo Fighter Game, Swamp Skeeto and Obi-Wan Kenobi. It sounds interesting. <laughs> and uh, hologram figures. I wonder if those are like kind of like the Darth Sidious hologram, something like that. 
Uh, okay, so let's see. Um, nine with Trade Federation tank. So, you know what? This looks kind of like those deluxe figures we were talking about earlier. Like, we were talking about the Darth Maul that had, like, a miniature yeah. uh, the Sith. Infiltrator. Right. Yeah, this one's that... a battle droid, and it has the tank. Yeah, and it looks like maybe the reason we didn't get more of these is that sold poorly. So that's exactly mm -hmm. what they are with the... Yeah, they are kind of ridiculous and bad sculpts. Yeah, a little bit redundant, too, because all of these figures were in the main line, of course. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Swamp Skeet on Obi-Wan. This is an interesting one. It looks like a like a flying creature with Obi-Wan. It says it was planned for 2000, but it was canceled. Huh. And then hologram figures. What are those? More hologram figures. It looks like just more, and I guess they did not sell well. Yeah. See, that's what happened with a lot of this stuff is there was such a glut of it, and people who collected hardcore for the original trilogy maybe didn't collect hardcore for the prequel trilogy, and people my age were just, you know, coming out of college, we're getting set in our careers and everything, and we didn't have the expendable income that we got, like, around episode two and on, and I wonder if that took a big hit, and that's why, or maybe they just produced too much. Right. Yeah, probably. Or both. Probably so. And yeah, you're right. These hologram figures, it's it says, planned for 2000 as Walmart exclusives. Light up line was canceled after the poor sales of the first two items in the line, Qui-Gon and Darth Maul. Uh, it says, Newt Gunray was planned as a carded figure before that line got canceled. And um, it says, rumors of this figure being released still resurface today. So maybe somebody says that they found one, but they probably didn't. That yeah. Kind of thing. There's a lot of forgeries going on where people forge something, throw it up on eBay, and then claim to have something that was unproduced. Right. And I remember even as a kid, you would always hear, like, you know, you'd hear somebody at school saying, oh, yeah, I have that. And you're like, no, you, you can't have that. It wasn't, it didn't come <laughs> out. Oh, yeah, well, I found one of the few that was made. It's like, yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, that covers all of the assortments. Uh, and, again, there's quite a few. It's kind of like Power of the Forest where there was – you know, a multitude of different assortments at different price points. A lot of them involving three and three quarter inch action figures with some sort of variation like light up features or the lightsabers plugging into their back or the two packs, uh, things along those lines. But there was a lot of other stuff too, like uh, the portrait collection for the, the Padme Amidala dolls and uh, the vehicles and all the, the weird miscellaneous stuff. So it was a pretty robust line. They definitely covered it pretty well. Yeah, there were, this had like a lot of stuff, and of course they had to because this was the return of Star Wars. So they needed to show up with a bang, and I think they did. I mean, there was something for everybody in everything that they released. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff, and a lot of this stuff did go to clearance. Uh, I do remember, um, it must have been 2000 or 2001, I remember going to Toys R Us and you could pretty much go to any Toys R Us and you would find like a section where they just had um, episode one figures for like $2. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a way that I was able to get a bunch of the ones I had missed out on initially. Um, like the, uh, the Nemodians, uh, some of the battle droids, uh, just some of the random figures that, um, you know, I wasn't able to get early on. I, I, I was able to get a lot of those through those clearances at KB Toys and Toys R Us. Um, so I mean, not not good from a, a, a standpoint that they overproduced the line and had to clearance them out like that. But, you know, especially for like a kid, you know, you're trying to complete your collection. You know, you definitely appreciated those deals. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And these were the fabulous dates of three and three quarter inch super articulated action figures being four ninety nine. I mean, what are we paying now? Like fourteen, fifteen dollars? For a vintage collection, yeah, thirteen dollars. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, I understand things go up in price, but I mean, I think sometimes it was even three ninety nine. Like maybe with episode two, like it actually went down a little. And I remember just being able to buy so much with the prices and now it the product isn't there and the prices are higher. Even for the five POE line, they're eight dollars and you don't really get a whole lot with them. Mm Yeah, no, I'd much rather buy the um, the Marvel ones that they've got that are like slightly more than, you know, like five inch. They're not super articulated or anything, but they've got great paint apps and fun card art. Yeah. Yeah. Those are fun too. Um, I'm surprised they don't have Star Wars like versions of this, but I guess they kind of did. Cause I know like between uh, force awakens and like over the last couple of years, they've had a few of those like six inch, like five POE figures, but they're like, you have to get them like a family dollar, you know, some of those, um, yeah, they were, I didn't know that was something else that was a family dollar exclusive, but yeah, they're not quite the same. I think that they lack a lot of the art, and I think that would be a great segment for Hasbro to get in in Star Wars because little kids don't really play with action figures that much. They'd rather play with video games, and these this line is like bright, it's attention getting, mm-hmm. and I think that would it would help get more people into Star Wars collecting. I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, all right, Marjorie. Well, I asked you to select uh, five figures from the episode one toy line that are your favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so what do you got? Well, um, I absolutely love droids, and I have to pick the destroyer droid. I like the battle damaged one. Nice. I think that's a great one. And I'm going to count these all as one, but I love that we got battle droids that were blasted clean, dirty, everything. They've got like every version you could want, you know, for diorama building. So I'm counting the battle droids as one there. I really loved the um, Anakin Skywalker, the Naboo and Tatooine ones. Counting those kind as one. I just was excited to get (laughs) Anakin Skywalker because, I mean, it's, it's what we knew when we're getting the story of Darth Vader. So that was great. And then, let's see, was that three of them? Uh, yes. I'm kind of I'm kind of cheating a little. <laughs> um, you know the other one I really liked, and it's just because well, you can pick whatever gender you want. I always thought it was a girl, but TC14 because it was really hard to get, and you had to get it. Um, we had to order it online and like after the fact to get it because there were I don't think it was released here in mass quantities, but it's a very pretty pretty figure. The vac metal on it is gorgeous. Yeah, and then. My number one, I'm going to go with my Jar Jar Binks. Nice. Um, is, uh, were there, was there one Jar Jar or was there two? There were two, but um, I picked the regular standard one, not the Naboo Swamp one. Ah, okay. Yeah, nice. That's a, that's a great list. And um, my list, I actually also have TC-14 for the same exact reasons. It's a very uh, pretty looking figure. Uh, and I think this may have been the first um, non-C-3PO um protocol droid not counting like the death star droid or you know some of those other uh, similar mm-hmm. to c-3po droids but i think this was the first one that uh got an action figure that actually looks like c-3po and uh, it does have a very nice chrome finish and the accessories are similarly you know chrome and look very nice uh for number four 
I have the uh, the Queen Amidala in the Senate gown. I thought that was a very nice figure and one that I didn't see more than a couple of times. Um, I, I think it was one of the later figures in the line, kind of like TC-14, and you just didn't quite see as many of them. Uh, number three, I have uh, Rune Hako. I think that with um, that figure, they... They give it a very nice sculpt, but they also did a very nice paint application like to the costume and to the face where uh, they gave it this sort of a wash that kind of like highlights some of the sculpted detail and it looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing for my number two, which is uh, Newt Gunray um, for the same reasons. It's a very nice looking figure, great likeness to the uh, the on-screen counterpart and uh, just the paint and the sculpted details, really nice looking. And uh, my number one favorite in, in this particular line, I would say is Darth Sidious. Um, it doesn't oh, do a nice. whole lot. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't do much. It's basically like a little statue, but it looks fantastic. I mean, if you look at its robes, uh, there's a lot of sculpted texture, like really small details on it. And um, just the way that he's posed, like holding his hands together and, you know, his his face is kind of obscured by the hood. Um, I think they just did a really nice job with that figure. And even like to this day, like I'm not sure that they've made like a Palpatine figure that is quite to that uh, like level of, of just sheer like sculpted detail looks great just standing on the shelf because a lot of them are hit and miss but for mm-hmm. me this one looks awesome good deal I like your figures that's a good way to good, good ones to pick yeah yeah I think I kind of went for a little bit more statuesque figures but I think that's something they did really well back then it was really nice mm-hmm. simple figures that you know also had great detail and looked uh, still look great on the shelf they still hold up yeah Definitely. Yeah, so so very cool. Um, now, with this being the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace, um, how do you think that the movie has aged since then? You know, I watched it recently, and, you know, it's. I feel it has a really good Star Wars aesthetic still, and it might be because it has the characters or the beginnings of the characters that got most of us into the movies, you know, some of the effects aren't as great as, you know, effects nowadays, but, you know, it, it ages okay. Um, I think you, for some reason, too, I think episode two aged a little worse. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. episode one, it's fine. I still like to watch it. I'll turn on, if it's on TV, I'll turn it on my Netflix or, or my Apple TV or something just because it's still enjoyable. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I'm inclined to, to agree with that. Uh, back during the prequel era, um, once Attack of the Clans came out, I felt like I liked that film better. Um, but as time has gone on, I kind of feel like I actually prefer Phantom Menace over Attack of the Clones. Because um, I think like on the surface, like Attack of the Clones has a lot more like eye candy. It's a lot shinier, there's a lot more mm-hmm. bright lights and um, you know interesting stuff to look at. But uh, ultimately, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of a like a story or a plot there. And I know that's something that some people would say about Phantom Menace, but there's a little bit more of a substance to Phantom Menace in terms of like plot and story, I would say. So you're saying you like taxation is what you're saying. I love taxation. <laughs> taxation is theft. The taxation of trade routes is in dispute. Yes. Uh, and, and yeah, and to better understand that, um, in this the Legends novel, Cloak of Deception, I'm not sure if you've read that or not, but that is... No, um, I haven't. Yeah, that's that takes place a few months before Phantom Menace, and it kind of explains like why the, the Trade Federation was so upset and why they went to blockade Naboo, so it's, it's a pretty decent read. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the plot can be either way too simple of that movie or overly complicated, depending on how you think of it. But it's still got its fun moments. I think Liam Neeson was great in the movie. Ewan McGregor was great. Uh, Natalie Portman clearly phoned it in, as she does often in movies. <laughs> I, I've come to the realization she is not a good actress. She's just kind of there. She's pretty, but she's not a good actress. Um, and, of course, Jake Lloyd, who um, not the best, but, you know, he did what he could, and I'm sure he's okay with what he did. But, yeah, it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just nostalgia, but it's it's not as horrible as I thought it was for a brief period, and it's okay. And you know what? It's okay not to like it. It doesn't make you less sure. of a fan or more of a fan. I know some people get hung up on that, but you know what? You can still be a Star Wars fan and tell me The Phantom Menace is the worst Star Wars movie you've ever seen. Sure. Yeah, and we're still seeing the same sort of thing even now with, like, The Last Jedi, where if – um you know, you say, oh, I really enjoyed The Last Jedi. There's a lot of people that say, well, you're not a real Star Wars fan for enjoying that. Um, and um, I don't think that's really fair. I mean, I think, you know, it's all Star Wars ultimately, and you can like parts of it and not like other parts of it. And, um, you know, we've all always had, you know, different opinions on the prequels and, you know, things that even happened in the original trilogy. So, I mean, to me, it's all Star Wars. And, you know, if you like one film and not the other, I mean, I think that's perfectly okay. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, exactly. I don't understand why people get so hung up on, well, you, if you don't like this, you're not a fan. Yeah, you know what? It's cool. Don't worry about it. Just come sit next to me anyway. <laughs> we'll talk about Star Wars. Totally. And uh, but yeah, I mean, the film did have some really great elements to it. Uh, the duel on Naboo, I think, was fantastic. That's still probably my favorite duel in all of Star Wars. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, Darth Maul, um, I thought, I mean, obviously, we don't get a whole lot of history or anything on Darth Maul. He only has like two or three mm -hmm. lines, but, um, you know, very cool looking figure. And, um, you know, very, uh, at the time, it was very different from Darth Vader. You know, he's very energetic. He was bouncing all around. He was, he really put up quite a fight, you know, against two Jedi. And mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, he kind of died and then kind of came back <laughs> later but. yeah i'm very confused on all that but that's uh, yeah i don't know what's going on <laughs> um but you know you know in you know sticking with that the naboo duel but the um the last final duel with duel the fates i think that piece of music has transcended all of the movies and i think it's as recognizable as the original star wars main theme oh yeah absolutely I mean, they got a dance remix and everything. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things about not just The Phantom Menace, but the prequels in general. I mean, the soundtracks um, are all spectacular. I mean, I would say that a lot of, in some cases, maybe even superior to the original trilogy. Um, I mean, some of those pieces are just awesome. Uh, Duel of the Fates, um, Across the Stars, the love theme. Yeah, Across, Attack of the Clones. Across the Stars was my wedding song. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. I, I yeah, some of it is very recognizable. I think from the, the prequel trilogy, and the John Williams did different things that he hadn't had a chance to do, or maybe his creativity just you know spiked. I don't know, but yeah, I, I think that the music was pretty amazing. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy Phantom Menace still. Uh, I I think I liked it more at the time. Uh, I think. Like I said, I, I for a time I actually preferred Attack of the Clones. Now I prefer Phantom Menace. But um, 
you know, it's like a lot of the other films. I mean, there's there's some great things about it, and then there's some things that aren't really my cup of tea. But, you know, again, it's all Star Wars. And I think, you know, if, if you look for those positive things in there, you know, you'll always enjoy sitting down and watching any of these films because, I mean, there's definitely some great stuff in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just think that there's so many firsts, and you get such a great introduction to Anakin and Obi-Wan in this movie that it, You've got to watch it at least once if you haven't. Definitely, definitely. And um, it's also come to light in recent years. I probably should just side note um, that uh, Ahmed Bass and Jake Lloyd obviously have had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, hardship from playing these roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I follow uh, Ahmed Bass on Twitter, and he's actually got a YouTube channel now. And um, he, he does, and it's great. He's such is. a wonderful person. Yeah. He is. And I really like how he gets into detail about his struggles and, you know, all the things that, you know, were great about Star Wars and all the things that weren't so great. And he gets very personal on his channel. And um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's, that's really great. And I encourage anyone to check it out. Um, you know, it is kind of sad what it is very sad what those two have suffered at the hands of angry fans and I just don't know why people can se- can't separate character from actor. Yeah, I I really wish I knew. <laughs> well, Marjorie, uh, what do you think is the legacy of the episode one toy line? Again, we're we're twenty years out from that toy line, twenty years out from that film. Uh, what do you think is its ultimate legacy in terms of all the Hasbro Star Wars toy lines that have come since then? Hmm. Well, for lack of a better word, I'm going to say gluttony, just because <laughs> there was. So much of it. I mean, you cannot go anywhere in 1999 or 2000 and not see a Star Wars Hasbro toy. I mean, just everywhere, whether it be, you know, full price, clearance. There was just so much episode one stuff that I I feel that we're just drowning in it for so long. But now, I mean, I don't regret that at all. But, yeah, I think... Volume, maybe volume is a better word than gluttony. <laughs> yeah, and it hung around for years too. Like, I mean, a couple of years after '99, you, you were still seeing stuff on the shelves. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I think that was, I guess episode three had a really big release, but it wasn't, you know, Force Awakens wasn't as big as episode three or episode one. I felt, but yeah, it was just kind of like you could not escape episode one in any shape or form. Those red card backs. I still get the twitches when I see them. <laughs> yeah, those are definitely, I mean, hard to miss on the shelf. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's funny. is like one of our comic book stores in town has had some of the um, Beast Packs sitting out there really overpriced for a long time. And every time I go by, I'm like, hey, have they reduced price? Nope. So <laughs> just kind of sitting there taunting me. So I still got it in my face everywhere. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, there's still stuff, and uh, what's funny about it too is that when uh, Phantom Menace came back out in 3D in 2012, they they also again overproduced product, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people think that's ultimately what killed off the vintage collection the first time around. Hmm. Well, you know what's funny is I I have some theories on that, and basically, you know, I'm the I'm in my fo- mid mid 40s, and I grew up with Star Wars. And a lot of people my age grew up with it and started collecting. And then I've, I'm seeing them 
get married and have families and swap out, you know, family things for their collecting and they ramp down their collecting to start with and then they confine it to maybe a closet and the next thing you know they've just kept a few key pieces so I think it's just cyclical in life and we've not experienced anything like that I mean there was no big toy collecting when my parents were young or anything Mm -hmm. so I think people's lives change and what you did when you were single or newly married doesn't always translate to family life and while you still love star wars collecting just isn't something you have time money or space for yeah that's a really good point yeah i mean i don't have any children i have got star wars and marvel everywhere in my house and we collect (laughs) um pretty hardcore between the two of us so but i've got friends who 10 years ago were collecting hardcore with us but kids have gotten older kids are going to college and they've ramped down yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and same here. No kids yet, but um, have a dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of going at it full force. And I mean, I've thought about it, you know, as, as time has kind of gone on, like, you know, what am I going to do with all this stuff in, you know, 20 years, 30 years? I'm, it's just kind of hard to imagine, like, you know, you, you keep collecting like your entire life. So maybe it's like what you're saying, you know, you get to a point where, you kind of realize there's some other things that need to take priority, but I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, and you know what's funny is like even our collecting, I think you, when you're a collector, you constantly evolve your collection. Like in the early 2000s, my, my husband, he's still a completist, but he was buying three of everything, sometimes four, because, you know, one to keep mints hard, one to open, and one as a backup. And he's a computer programmer, so that makes sense in his mind. Whereas, you know, I would buy like one, maybe two if I wanted to open something. But Uh he's gotten out of that where he wouldn't buy three. Like I have like an armada of those giant wing TIE fighters that were Target exclusives for a number of years. (laughs) Like when they had the Black Friday deals and they did the blue gray, then they did the gray. I have got like a whole room of those in my basement. And... One day he's like, you know what? I don't know why I did that. We need to like downsize some of this. So I think when you're a collector, focuses change. Your you sometimes your situation changes, but I think it's always something that's evolving. Sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I I totally agree with that. Um, every now and then, actually, you know what? I'm I'm actually doing kind of doing it right now because uh, I'm getting some new shelving, but. Uh, yeah, every now and then I, I kind of pull everything out, go over and say, okay, you know, I'm I'm starting to collect this line or now I have so much of this line that kind of need to make some decisions here. Am I going to keep collecting that line? Am I going mm-hmm. to continue sitting on, you know, these figures that I bought, you know, several years back? And, you know, it does evolve over time. Your focus has kind of changed. You decide, okay, well, I don't need to collect that anymore or you find something that really like grabs you and you're like, okay, I want to collect this. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely an ongoing thing. And you know, the, the way that you collect, I think definitely does change over time. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, we, we moved to a much bigger house with a much bigger um, collection area, but we've actually outgrown that. And I mean, storage units are just a way of life when you're a collector. I mean, we're also going to keep the empty boxes. <laughs> So, and, and full boxes until you have all the display space you need. And, you know, I, I joke that, 
you know, there's this big warehouse that used to be the FedEx building for sale over by Target. And I keep joking to my husband that, hey, we should just buy that building. We can build like living quarters in one section of it. And then we'd have this massive display area. And he's like, you'd live in a warehouse? I'm like, well, no, not really. But, you know, it's nice to think that, you know, I could use like, you know, 1.2 million square feet or something. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's something I wonder about, too. It's like, okay, well, if, I mean, we already have, I have most of my stuff on display. Well, not even all of it's on display, but what I do have on display is like in our home office. And then, um, you know, we still have like a spare bedroom, but I'm, I think like in my head, okay, well, maybe one day there'll be a, I'll have a house with another bedroom. And then, but then you start thinking like, but will that be enough space? Like what, how big is oh, the house going to need to be yeah. until, yeah, until I can display everything. Well, see, right now we're, um, we, we bought the house and we, we need to do the basement out so we can do put the collection down there. And to give you an idea, the entire basement is full of the collection boxed up from the move while we try to figure out what we're going to do. We had some other pieces of the house we wanted to redo, but I've got four bedrooms upstairs and three of them are also just collection rooms as well as various around the house. Um, my study, I have a life-size Jar Jar, the Pepsi promotion one. I've got that in my study. Um, because it's perfect. He looks really great with the red walls. And, you know, it's just, it's, I think, I can't think of a single room in my house where I don't have something Star Wars. <laughs> what better way is there to live? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. And, you know, whenever people come over, they're like, huh, you guys weren't kidding, were you? I'm like, nope. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Well, hey, Marjorie, it's been so so much fun having you on Cantina Chatter, and I hope you've had a good time as well, and that uh, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll come back sometime in the future. Yeah, definitely, and we'll have to meet up at a convention or two or something. Yeah, let's let's definitely do that this coming uh, San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. All right, so can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Sure, absolutely. Well, you can find me at Star Wars Action News, which is SWActionNews.com. I also do Marvel collecting. I have a Marvel show called Marvelicious Toys, and that's MarveliciousToys.com. And you can also find me reviewing movies over at Now Playing Podcast. Uh, that's frequently on number one of iTunes. Huge movie review show we got going on over there. Wow. Very cool. Great stuff. Well, hey, awesome. Once again, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace. 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> wow. That's just an insane thought. Uh, what a heap of nostalgia talking about that toy line brings back to the forefront of my mind. Um, just, it, it was an incredible time. It, there's a lot of nostalgia there for me, just like there are for um, more mature collectors that were really into the original trilogy uh, that were kids when that was out, collecting the vintage Star Wars toy line. Uh, I feel a lot of that with the prequels, even though I knew the original Star Wars films uh, very well. Uh, when Episode One came out, I was already collecting those toys. Um, you know, there's just a lot of nostalgia there, a lot of memories that talking about that toy line brings back, and all of these figures and assortments and stuff. Um, it's pretty crazy that it's been two decades already, but time flies, I guess. 
In our next episode in this series, we will move on to the next line that followed the episode one line, the power of the Jedi. It was the first modern Star Wars toy line to incorporate both original trilogy and prequel trilogy characters. And although not nearly as large as the power of the force or episode one, it was a very collector friendly line that featured some really interesting stuff. So I hope you'll tune in as we look back at The Power of the Jedi in Episode 3 of the Star Wars Modern Toyline Retrospective Series. Until then, that'll do it for this episode of the Cantina Chatter Podcast. Once again, a huge thanks to Marjorie for hanging out with me in this episode. Be sure to visit Star Wars Action News online, its podcast, as well as the Now Playing Podcast. I'll have some links for you in the show notes. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate Cantina Chatter and leave a review. In fact, be sure to do that no matter where you're checking out the show, whether it be Google Play or Podomatic or YouTube or anywhere else. This show is a labor of love and it is here for all of you to enjoy. If you're so inclined, Victoria's Cantina is on Patreon. To gain greater access to Victoria's Cantina and help keep the lights on, be sure to hit that link in the show notes. You can also follow us on Facebook by searching for Victoria's Cantina, Instagram at Victoria's Cantina, and Twitter at Vix Cantina. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Cantina Chatter Podcast.